Hi, I'm Casey Hobbs, host of Nurse Talk Radio, one of the thousands of nurses on duty today. Here's what we're talking about this week. Global leaders met at the United Nations General Assembly in New York in September of 2016 to address what experts are calling one of the biggest threats to global health, antimicrobial resistance. The high-level meeting saw heads of state commit to address the issue, with 193 countries signing a landmark declaration they will combat resistance and rid the world of superbugs. Drug-resistant bacteria are expected to kill 10 million people a year by 2050. That's one person every three seconds if nothing's done to solve the problem. With us on the line is Professor of Public Health at University of San Francisco, Barbara Sattler, and MSRN at the University of Maryland, Kara Cook. Welcome to both of you, and thanks for being with us. We're glad to be here. Thank you. Excellent. Yeah, thank you for having us. Thanks. All right, ladies, so what is antimicrobial resistance, and why is it so critical that we all know about it? So um, antimicrobial resistance is a broad term which um, encompasses microorganisms such as bacteria, viruses, fungi, or parasites that change or mutate in a way that the medications used to cure or treat infections are essentially ineffective. And globally, we are seeing increasing rates of um, multidrug-resistant tuberculosis, malaria, HIV, gonorrhea, just to name a few, but there's much, much more. And it's essentially making these infections increasingly untreatable. As you heard, it's um, estimated that uh, antimicrobial resistance, if we keep going on the rate we're going, it's going to surpass cancer as the number one cause of death by 2015 and account for 10 million deaths annually worldwide. Wow, that's scary. Wow, that is scary. So what was the significance of this UN meeting? The UN meeting was so significant because it gathered multiple stakeholders and leaders together with the objective of committing to increasing the global response to antimicrobial resistance. Uh, the declaration was signed committing all 193 member states to act to combat this um, growing threat. And not only is the commitment significant in itself, but there's a call for a multi-sector approach, and that is vital because it includes a response across the healthcare sector, the government, and the agriculture industry. So experts warn that everyone will be affected if nothing's done to address resistance as soon as possible. Who's at the most risk? And Barbara, why don't you take that? Well, I think that um, those people who are immunocompromised, obviously, are always at the most risk for infections, period. And um, many of these are gram-negatives, and they're the bacteria that cause pneumonia that appear in wound infections that we see with people with meningitis. So these diseases and these problems, like wound infections, uh, may wind up uh, with an antibiotic-resistant organism, and then we're, we're out of luck with them. Um, and so this is why we're going to anticipate seeing more deaths from this. Um, and I don't know whether any of you have been to Mexico or in the global south, but in, often in those places, you can actually buy antibiotics at the oh, pharmacy yeah. without a prescription. And so the ways in which globally we have been um, abusing them, so to speak, because we haven't really been using them for the full duration that we're supposed to be using. The way that we've been introducing antimicrobial soaps and antimicrobial hand soaps that people have in their purses. Um, so there's so much more right now out there that are creating the conditions for 
uh, the antimicrobial uh, bacteria to, to develop. And we have to do broad education and policies across the board. You talked about a couple of these reasons, the antimicrobial soaps, the uh, misuse of antibiotics. Um, are there any other reasons that resistance has developed, and what can we do at our houses to help keep ourselves safe? Well, one of the things that we're doing, about 70 to 80 percent of the antibiotics in the United States are actually used in animal feed. And yeah. so they're used in animal production, primarily because we are doing this kind of industrial strength animal production for human consumption that is, uh, is creating bad conditions for them. And the other reason that they use antibiotics in animal feed is it actually increases the weight. It changes the metabolism, increases the weight. And so, of course, if you're raising a beef, you want it to be heavier, not lighter. Um, but that is creating conditions um, for there to be more and more antibiotics that are not being used therapeutically, that are in our environment, that are winding up in our soil. We know they're winding up in the bowels of, for instance, chicken catchers who work with chickens. And so that's just getting into our communities in a broader base, too. Um, once again, non-essential, non-therapeutic uses um, in both our animal feed and then in a variety of household products. And, Carol, you might have something more to add to that. Yeah, I just want to really place a lot of emphasis on the sub-therapeutic use of the dosing. That It's used in low doses that are not even therapeutic levels to actually or cure an infection, and they're used on a routine basis, which just provides this breeding ground for resistant bacteria. And, like, the animals are just in these crowded, confined spaces that there's just such an avenue for exposure through contamination of meat, soil, air, water, exposure of the workers in the industry, and then the risk of just spreading it to communities surrounding these farms and the workers spreading it to their communities just through direct contact. When I took a group of nursing students to Annapolis in Maryland, and all we wanted to know was we wanted to have uh, farmers have to say whether they were using antimicrobials in their feed. And by the way, if you go to a feed store in an agricultural area, you buy the seed, and the antibiotics are already in the seed. You don't need a prescription. Veterinarian is not involved in this process at all. So in um, Maryland, we were merely trying to get a law that would say that we could map and understand where antibiotics were being used agriculturally. And the pharmaceutical industry came at us with such a powerful counterplay. And here we were, just a few, I was the faculty, but a few nursing students in the front row, and the entire rest of the people that were going to give comments were people in suits, people from the, the pharmaceutical industry. They are a huge power base in this. It's not even as much the agricultural industry, although they're present on this, but it is mostly the pharmaceutical industry. And right. so... I think as we begin to really pay attention to this, and this is going to be so critical and so interesting to see how this will play out with the new head of HHS and with Trump as president, but this is, this is really life-threatening, and this is really important um, to see whether the pharmaceutical industry will continue to prevail at, at preventing us to come up with public health policies. In Maryland right now, we have a campaign called the Maryland Campaign to Keep Antibiotics Working, and it's a collaborative effort. We have healthcare professionals, 
um, academic professors, um, businesses, farms, all calling for this judicious use of um, antibiotics in agriculture because they're seeing the effects it has on the health of animals as well as on the growing threat of antibiotic resistance. So it's a change that is being called for. It's a change that consumers are demanding. I mean, large chains restaurants, consumers want sustainable meat, so they're changing their practices already. We're already Purdue, one of um, the largest producers, is already almost, I think they're at 95% of their meat or their chickens are not grown with antibiotics, routine use of antibiotics. And the campaigns that we've been involved in, that nurses have been involved in nationally, uh, working with Healthcare Without Harm, working with various coalitions like Keep Antibiotics Working, um, we're obviously making personal choices, but we're also trying to make changes in institutional purchasing at our hospitals, if we're school nurses in our school districts, and it's this large-scale shift in demand that I think is really going to make a difference so that it's a demand-side campaign, and it's really a purchasing campaign rather than spending an enormous time on, on federal legislation. And then there is additionally the practice. Uh, we've seen practices changing. I mean, it, you'd be hard-pressed to find a pediatrician that would just willy-nilly or a pediatric nurse practitioner order antibiotics at this point, which is something that we did 10 and 20 years ago. I mean, if somebody came in with a cold, we would just start giving yeah. them antibiotics. And there's much more caution, and we can need to continue this, and we need to do that on a global perspective. Great. Well, is there anything else you'd like to share about this topic before we wrap up? I would like to say that the Alliance of Nurses for Healthy Environments that Kara and I are both involved in have uh, a group of nurses that are quite interested in um, working on sustainable agricultural practices as they relate to public health. And so if there are any nurses um, that are interested in that, we encourage you to come to our website and register, which is www.envirn.org. Anything you'd like to say, Kara, on the way out? I just think that as nurses, it's just vital that we recognize how this issue affects how we care for our patients, how um, across the healthcare sector, but how involved we need to be um, in advocating for a policy that's going to address change in the agricultural practice because that is going to be so essential to fully addressing the issue. Excellent. Well, I want to thank both of you for being with us, and thanks for the great work you're doing because this is a very important topic and it does affect all of us, and we've all got to get educated on this resistance so that we can help stop it. Thanks so very much for having us and for covering this on Nurse Talk. Thank you. Great. Yeah, thank you for having us. We've been talking with Professor of Public Health at University of San Francisco, Barbara Sattler, and MSRN at the University of Maryland, Kara Cook. For more information about this topic or about National Nurses United, visit nnu.org.